Welcome to Trailblazing Nursing, a podcast sponsored by the University of South Florida College of Nursing. I'm Usha Menon, Dean of the College of Nursing and Senior Associate Vice President at USF Health. Every month, we'll bring you a 15-minute discussion on current topics in nursing, talking with your colleagues and experts from across the world. Today, our topic is leading from the heart at a time of crisis. It gives me so much pleasure to welcome Dr. Peter Pronovost, our illustrious guest today. Dr. Pronovost is a world-renowned patient safety champion, innovator, critical care physician, and a prolific researcher, having published over 800 peer-reviewed publications, an entrepreneur, and a global thought leader informing both US and global health policy. He um, has received multiple accolades, including being named one of the 100 most influential people in the world by Time magazine and receiving a coveted MacArthur Foundation Genius Grant in 2008. As Chief Quality and Clinical Transformation Officer, Dr. Pronovost is charged with fostering ideation and implementation of new protocols to eliminate defects in value and thereby enhance quality of care. He's charged with developing new frameworks for population health management uh, for more than over a million patients and uh, managing the University Hospital's Accountable Care Organization, one of the nation's largest, comprising more than 581,000 members. So I can't think of anyone more qualified to talk to us today about leading at a time of crisis. Peter, welcome to the 2022 season one of the Trailblazing Nursing podcast from the University of South Florida College of Nursing. Usha, thanks so much for having me here. I'm a really admirer of you and all you're doing at University of South Florida. So thanks for having me. Great. So Peter, I've been fortunate to be in team meetings with you and hear you speak, and I'm struck by your commitment to communication and that communication laced with love and compassion should be the true north in organizations. Can you speak to your philosophy around this? I sure could. (laughs) And it's really quite uh, simple. And I'll use the metaphor, Usha, of remember a time that you went out and exercised in nature. Perhaps you looked at the ocean or the bay or a mountain, um, a mountain with snow, perhaps. And when you do that, you not only get the health benefits of exercise, you get this sense of awe, this sense that we're connected to everything else, to something deeper. It's the most powerful feeling. And if you're religious, you may call that feeling God or grace. If you're spiritual, you may call it a universal power. Uh, But let's just call it love, that sense that we're all connected. You see, Usha, almost every one of the problems we have in healthcare and maybe the broader society stem from a lack of love. They stem from some group feeling that they're less than or they're not worthy of or others looking down disparagingly or with contempt upon others that you don't deserve to have your voices heard. But certainly we see that with some people, the way in my tribe physicians, the way they view nurses or even one nurse might view a a junior nurse uh, that way. And we are poorer for that. And I think if we create 
leadership systems where we believe we can get to zero harm or improvement, where we create structures where we belong and we feel like we belong as equals, that that I don't have a choice is a, a right because I'm a part of the human community. And we then behave in ways that drive value is how we're um, going to drive this new way to, to get remarkable performance. And we've seen it over and over again. You know, and we should, this doesn't mean that it's all Pollyanna-ish or there's no accountability. You know, when we look at how we've often responded to mistakes, you know, there's, in my view, there's three ways that we respond. Sometimes it's treating people with shame, which means you're a bad person, Peter. You, you made an error. You're never going to be a good doctor. Or sometimes with guilt. I did a bad thing. And both of those narrow your lens and make you feel small and less likely to solve a problem. But a different way is to view that reaction with love. And love is both powerful and strong enough to let you be under the spotlight, to be accountable for how we are performing, but also to stand in your bright light that each of us have so that we could work together to make the world a better place. And, and, and I think with this approach to improvement, uh, we would be radically more effective. Uh, and, and we've seen it in, in the programs that we've led, whether it's you know 80% reduction of CLABSI across the country or 21% reduction in Medicare spend across you know, uh, 500,000 people at UH, over and over when we lead this way, when we lead with love, uh, we see transformative results. Thank you. It's certainly inspirational to hear you say that. Um, but let me take this down, what is happening today in the world, um, still in the pandemic. And if I were to go and tell, you know, a chief nurse officer colleague or an executive nurse at the hospital um, to, to operate this way, they're going to tell me I'm in permanent crisis management mode. When I'm spending my day dealing with fires from severe understaffing issues, dying patients, and the emotional and political rhetoric around the pandemic, how do you rise above that to lead from the heart to lead with love? Yeah, Usha, you know, great point. And I mean, the the crisis that we have is just unprecedented, and the suffering that many of our caregivers, and particularly our nursing caregivers, live with every day. Um, it is just overwhelming and 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 I want to acknowledge that and label it and, and recognize it for what it is and and yet i I think there are some things that we could do, but we got to get them in the right proportion. Um, the first is I think us taking care of ourselves to the extent that we could and and it, it we don't have a lot of time for that recognized, but simple things like trying to be mindful or a few mindful breaths. And I don't want to trivialize it, but I, I, I can give you Usha, a couple of things that I do is routinely when I get stressed or I'm in a situation where I might act as if someone is less than, or, I, you know, that I, I just am intolerant and I get impatient. You know, I uh, do this very simple mindfulness practices as, as I'm breathing in, I say, breathing in, I help calm myself and breathing out, I smile. And there's magical things when you smile and we've all seen it, it, it elevates your mood and you feel 
better biologically. And so that's like, it takes two minutes. The other thing I will routinely do is if I'm going into a patient's room, I pause and say, just like me, the patient is scared, is a dad, is a grandmother. So that I build empathy and it gives me just a moment to see their humanness and, and connect with them as a human. Um, to put aside my busyness. This second thing, uh, Usha, that we know is, so that's the in, intrapersonal. The interpersonal thing is having forums where teams could share their feelings and acknowledge w- where we are and <clears throat> be supports for each other You know, w- when they have that time is <clears throat> uh, really, really important. There's pretty compelling data that, that the perceived workload of nurses and staff is dramatically reduced if their perceived teamwork with their colleagues goes up. And, and so that's something I think your managers and leaders could try to cultivate. But the third part, and it's where I think we've put too little work, like the, most of the work has been in the first two levels with, you know, offering massages or yoga uh, to nurses. And not that those aren't important, but they don't get to the real problems is the following <clears throat> that with the pandemic, we showed just how rickety our healthcare systems are. And we've added the number of patients per, work, per nurse. So their workload went up dramatically without doing anything to reduce the work per patient, right? So the workload are at unsustainable levels. And it's not just nurses, it's pharmacists, it's hospitalists, it's in critical care physicians. And that mindset, I think, is just a failure of our innovation and healthcare delivery because there's huge opportunities to take out the work per patient that I don't think health system and and our leaders have put anywhere near enough focus on. Um, you know, I'll you know give you some examples. I know you're working with Agility, a brilliant company that's helping to, you know, reduce the work per staff to get patients throughput in. Uh, we're piloting at a company to trackonomy at UH that does asset tracking because we know nurses spend 24% of their time hunting for supplies and other industries have solved that years ago. So we're taking another, uh, a technology, very simple technology for, from other industries that with a putting a piece of tape on an infusion pump, we instantly have a dashboard where it's located in your health system and we take out that 25% waste. Our staff spend uh, you, you know better than I do, maybe 30 to 40% of our time documenting. And much of that is driven by regulations that make no sense anymore. You know, they may have at, at the time, but now the burdens of those exceed the benefits. And we haven't had a collective voice of leaders, particularly nurse leaders, to go to the regulators and say, this makes no sense. Could we look at what we're required to document through a fresh lens of does this really help or does the benefits exceed the burden? And then also leveraging technology to automate documentation. Uh, and, you know, and those are just you know, a few examples. Another uh, example, Usha, that we're seeing, I think is a, a immediate need is when you look nationally, not surprisingly, our harms are going up significantly because our ratios for nurses and physicians are so thin. So it's understandable falls and harms and infections are going up, uh, code whites or code blues or unrecognized deterioration. And there's technology that 17 years ago, um, Massimo did a study showing that if they put a pulse ox on every med surge patients, they significantly reduce mortality, but it never spread. 
And so looking at ways to say, you know, should we put these monitoring on every pulse ox, on, on every med surge patient and in the ED, because we know the nurses aren't going to have time to be there. And these technologies now automate documenting vital signs. And so as you, I know, OSHA, I mean, for every hospital, that's several FTEs per floor, that if you took away that work of you know, documenting vital signs and automated it because these technologies dump into the EMR, we could look for taking out the work per patient rather than simply adding the number of patients that nurses care for. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I know at your, your health system and I hope you as leading other health systems that nurse leaders have a voice to say, yes, we, we have to, you know, do those first levels but we need most of our time on actually making the working conditions better by taking out real work per patient. Yeah. No, thank you. And that's very, very important, of course. Um, and, and I know that in speaking with chief nurse officers in our area, uh, we do hear this over and over. It's sort of a broken system. We have to fix this. There's no point in increasing the nursing pipeline if you keep sending these young graduates into a system that, you know, is exactly as you described, um, wasteful of time and increasing the burden on, on, on the staff. But to those nurse leaders, um, what strategies would you suggest for them to be able to get their leadership in their organizations to hear this, to actually hear and understand and move collectively towards change? Yeah, so great um, question. And Uma, I think what I would encourage them to do is what the nursing profession does so well as part of your your uh, training is tell patient stories because I think that's what we need to hear and and obviously link it with um, some practical solutions. So I think you know sharing with executives quotes or examples to say let me share with you what the day was like on you know three south today. You know we had. Uh, 30 patients and three nurses. I found one of them in the bathroom crying because she couldn't take it. I found another one just super stressed that she was looked like she was shaking. She Her solution was she just kept motoring on. Um, we've had turnover rates now in these environments and some floors that are up to 50%, you know, and you know what that costs, you know, one and a half times their salary or at least, you know, so it's a, it's a huge thing. There's no magic pipeline that people are leaving because our workloads are non-sustainable. Indeed, they may be inhumane. And so we need to find uh, system solutions to this. And, and, and we should, you know, one of the things that I think is so key is when we say the nurse leader of the future addressing this, you know, we have to broaden our lens to think of what that means to be a nurse leader. Because too often it means I have a clinical nurse perspective. And, and that lens is right. But too often we train leaders, what I call to be more like a jelly, I mean, an elephant than a jellyfish. And what I mean by that is we groom them to have one deep methodological training, one long trunk, like clinical nursing, but know relatively little about other things. What we need for the nurse leaders today and of tomorrow are to be more like jellyfish, where, yes, you need a methodological grounding in 
clinical nursing or, or some grounding, but you need many short tentacles where you know about systems engineering. You know about human-centered design. You know about informatics. You know about leading change. You, you, you know about epidemiology so that you can take that broader systems lens to design these systems to do what we say. Because the, the problems that I just said about taking work per nurse out need to be led by nurse leaders. But the skills to do that are broader than just cl- clinical skills because part of it's going to be, okay, let's literally look at the work that needs to happen to a patient and which of that could happen at home that they don't need to be even, you know, come into the hospital. What other role types could do pieces of these and have we standardized what those are so the work doesn't just fall to the nurse, which it so often does because we haven't had good management systems to standardize those other roles. And leveraging technologies to say, okay, you know, whether it's the ones I mentioned or other ones that aren't burdensome on nurses as most of the technologies that we've added, but are are labor-saving and perhaps joy-enhancing for nurses that nurses feel care is safer and their workload is reduced. Um, And so I would encourage nurses to say, um, tell their story. One powerful way that I would also suggest that, that I could share with you, I was trying to improve the staffing ratios in one of our ICUs and there was not a lot of support. Uh, and I took the whole leadership team and said, please join me for rounds in the ICU Thursday morning. And after rounding, if you think my request is wasteful, I'll honor that, but don't judge it until you've walked in the staff's shoes. And literally two patients later, they said, okay, Peter, done. We're funding this. This is ridiculous, you know, amount of risk or danger. But, but it took that kind of, you know, walking in your shoes or helping them sense the reality and then leading that to what the solution might be. Absolutely. You know, it sounds so simple, but almost like like children do in school, a show and tell is, is what That's I'm That's exactly right. Yeah, so substantially. Yeah, because we have to touch people's heart and make it real, right? Because, I mean, it, 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 you know, Showing the ratio is, you know, oh, we're one to eight, one to nine, which is, you know, are incredibly unsafe and uh, burdensome and risky ratios. For some health system leaders, they may not know what that means. Like, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, so you have this many more patients, just work harder. And I think understanding, like, the human toll of what this means on people is really a first step to engage in them to say, okay, then let's look creatively for a sustainable solution. Yeah. The other thing I think I'm thinking about as I'm listening to you talk is that we really have to think about revising some of the curriculum um, in nursing schools, especially for those graduate nurses, but even those senior students who may become part of systems and uh, need to understand sort of how to how to step into those leadership shoes. Um, Peter, this has been wonderful. And I'm just thinking about, you know, a nurse leader who's listening to this in his or her car as they're driving home. If there's one message we could leave them with at the end of this um, session, what would that be? Yeah, or maybe it's two message. One, uh, a sincere thank you or gratitude for all that you do, you uh, and your nurses are the backbone of our healthcare system. They are allow, you are what allows it to be compassion. You are allows what it to function and you are allow what allows us to express love. And second, 
is that I hope you take the challenge to realize that I think you are the ones who are going to come up with solutions. The solutions aren't going to come from Washington. They're not going to come from payment policy. They're not going to come solely from the tech world, and they're not going to come from your executives. They're going to come from you being guided by your vision or purpose to provide safe, compassionate care and drawing upon your skills to design systems that are safe for patients, that are joyful for the staff who work in them, and that are financially viable for the health systems uh, that employ us. So I hope they take up that mantle because I think they're the only ones who will, will solve it. And so I'll close with a quote that I am very fond of. Uh, it's by Margaret Mead, uh, a great anthropologist who said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed people could change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. And I hope the nurse leaders on this podcast are those small group of thoughtful leaders. Thank you so much. Thank you, Peter. What a wonderful way to end with a great message. And there you have it. Please join me in thanking Dr. Peter Pronovost on his insights in nursing leadership and leading from the heart. You can learn more about the USF College of Nursing at health.usf.edu forward slash nursing. Until next time, here's to trailblazing your own path.